And we're back to fumbling around, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Your host, Tom Steinman, the Steiner. Uh, actually, uh, our host today, I'm very excited, Brian Ambrose from Lincoln Park. Went to high school with him, played hockey with him. And I love that he's here because he's... Do you know how I got the name nickname Steiner? No. It was you. Oh, fire up. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that I can... Yeah. Uh, Give out some nicknames and it still stick. Of course, you wouldn't know that it was you. That's just funny. It's just, that's you right there. You're just talking to everybody, making everybody have a good time. But I remember the moment. Uh, tenth grade, uh, first or first time I was coming to the hockey locker room. And you saw me, my last name was Steinman, and you called me Steininator at first. That didn't catch on. No, that was, that, <laughs> when I took a stab at something, that yeah. was bad. <laughs> so, of course, but I appreciate the tenth, and then it went to Steiner. And that literally stuck. Wasn't there, like, back in WWF, I thought there was two brothers. The Steiner I, brothers. The Steiner brothers, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's They were Michigan right. men. Yeah, they were Michigan men, <laughs> that's right. So I knew I liked them because the one guy had the mustache and was real bulldog-like. The other guy had, like, the longer hair. Oh, yeah. But they were real technical wrestlers, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they, yeah, were, yeah. they were wrestlers from Michigan. Of course, right? But yeah. you're right, the Steiner brothers. Yeah. And that's, I think, where I, I think that's where it came from. Probably. I mean, well, often there's, like, well, there's, like, uh, common nicknames for, like, hockey and baseball, like, that. Shorten the name, add ER at the end, oh, yeah. or an S at the end, like, uh, ro- you know, shorten it up, Rose. Or, or an SY, like, I, I put, a, like, a C on everything. Nowadays. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's many ways, and uh, I appreciate that. But there was, it was pretty funny that, because uh, there would be people that didn't even know my real last name, and would they or they even heard my first name, they didn't know, like, they're like, who's that? And it would be, like, right across from me. I mean, people we played poker with. Yeah, yeah. Bruno Yattis, didn't oh, even yeah. <laughs> People didn't even know my actual name. Where, I was we, known. where are we going? To Steiner's house. Who's this Tom Steinman? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, That's yeah. great. That's yeah. I, did, I had no idea. That's great. I'm glad it's stuck and it's still around. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you on because uh, that's just your personality. Uh, you're willing to just like make anybody feel accepted into a room. Uh, just good positive energy. I've never really seen you be negative, unless you know someone kind of. Needed direction, you know, you're, yeah. you're real with them. Yeah. And that's needed sometimes, and I think people actually appreciate that. Yeah, we try to get some honesty in there that, uh, you're right, and, and we want to present it in a way because if it comes off as, a, from a coaching standpoint, right, as negative feedback, right, or it's, yeah. or it's criticism or it's critique, and we want to do it in a way where, yeah, it's not offensive. You know, it's honest, it's open, this is what we're seeing, this is where we're at, and can you handle that? Yeah. You know, and that's and that part of that is when you're coaching with kids is the maturity of the kid and how well they can take that. Uh, and not all of them take it well, but for the most part, if there's a little bit of trust established and there's a history and a rapport, they, they take it pretty well. The relationship's important. Yeah, um, without a doubt. You're the second coach I've had on, and the other one, uh, Jarvis Mitchell, great guy. Uh, same thing. I mean, I, you're going to get the same thing from the top coaches. They're going to tell you the same thing. But for those of you who don't know, Brian Ambrose has been coaching at Lincoln Park High School varsity baseball for how many years now? Oh, I think I'm going on my, uh, let's see, I think I believe I started in 12. So what are we on, eight years? Yes, eight, eight, eight years. Season? And Sorry, eight you're season? 33? 33. So you've been doing it for a while. That's a lot of years to like be practicing something like that, that high of a level. Usually, yeah. you know, maybe JV or freshman for a little bit, but... Yeah, uh, I, I broke in as an assistant when I got hired in, in 2010 at Lincoln Park. And so I, I jumped right on as an assistant. Obviously, it was my alma mater, yeah. right? So I'm teaching at my alma mater. I jump on as an assistant. It worked out really, really well. I was enjoying it. And the head coach, really for personal reasons, just kind of said, hey, I, I just can't do it between the drive from where he was coming from work. wasn't working out. And so he had he had put in a good 
plug for me to get the job, to get the position. I was interested in the position. So, you know, next thing we get there and I get the position, I've been there ever since. Yeah. Uh, I have now joined your staff. I appreciate that. Um, this is my first year, and I'm already learning a lot from you and how you work. I'm kind of just taking the step-back approach because I feel like I still have a lot to learn. Uh, baseball is not my number one sport, right. uh, at least for coaching. Like I know a lot about it. I, I, I could play it decently, but I don't know how to explain it necessarily completely. Right. So I'm learning from you the little techniques, just the little little parts of the game, like base running, I, you know, is crucial. Just you know, it's it's... When it comes to coaching, like, even really great players have a hard time explaining the game. Yes. Like, great players are at, like, you know, if you were talking about college courses, right, they're at the 500 level of, a co- of, of this game. Yeah. You know, all of these professional athletes and the guys that really got it. You, it's typically that guy. It's like Jim Leland. Here's a guy, right, he didn't make it. Yeah. Okay. And that was his dream, be a pr- professional baseball player doesn't make it but probably in the process of him not making it he got a lot of coaching along the way and he probably did everything he possibly could with an undersized stature or things of that nature to make it right to be good Mm -hmm. and he can then now go teach and use those things to help other players yeah some of those really great guys they probably don't understand like how can you not just get this you know what i mean like they're, they're, they're at such a level of the game where they're just like this seems so simple to me and yet like where they would think a certain part of the game is a one hundred level course, yeah, yep. And the person receiving it is like to them this is three hundred, four hundred, five hundred level course, and that guy thinks this is like this is just really easy basic stuff. Yes, you yep. know. So when you can find those guys that can really break it down and keep it simple for kids and keep the messaging simple, um, that they can really understand it and break it down for themselves. Yeah, uh, I mean, I got to actually see that kind of firsthand. Uh, Playing softball, I mean, playing men's softball, and you know uh, Adam, my friend Adam, who's never really played any type of gathering of, like, baseball or softball, had to learn the game while playing it live. And there's a lot to learn, just the little nuances of, like, base runners, when to go back, just, he didn't know, and other people just take that as for granted, like, come on, or, you know, just. There's so many small, there's so many small things. Like, the other day I was telling, I was at the Red Wings game yesterday. And I'm with my wife. Uh-huh. And, and, like, watching sports with my wife is phenomenal. Right? Yeah. It's like, one, she's a little bit disinterested. Um, and then when she gets interested after, like, a drink or two, and, you know what I mean, now she's having a little more fun. Uh-huh. And so the other day, like, wings are on a penalty kill. And the goalie starts slapping the stick. And I'm like, hey, why is he slapping the stick? You know, the goalie down there slapping the stick. Why is he doing that? And she's like, because the time's running out? I go, the time's running out on what? Because there's still a minute and a half left in the period. Yeah. But there was, you know, it was under five seconds of the mm-hmm. penalty, or yep. for them, the power play, right? So yep. for the Islanders, they're under five seconds for the power play. So I'm like, trying to explain to her, like, that guy's not down there just because he feels like <laughs> slapping his stick yeah. right now. That guy's down there. He's communicating to his team, yeah. hey, our power play is coming to a close. There's going to be a guy getting out of the box. You know, get your shot on net, yep. make your last pass, do what you got to do because this thing's ending. Yeah, also be ready for the guy coming out of the box in case... Yes, yes, in case there's a long pass. Like, somebody needs to get back and play some defense yes. here. Yes, right? I you mean, know? coming out of the box, if I came out of the box, that's what I was looking, trying to do. Like, come on, guys, get the puck. And I'm I ready. I can't remember, but something happened just before, like, that slapping of the stick, too. And so I was, like, explaining, hey, 
this is going on as well. Do you know what? And I'm like asking questions. And I feel like after the second time with the slapping of the stick and she answered it, I felt like she's starting to get annoyed with me. You know, oh, like, yeah, all right, yeah. I'm going to go back to my phone and you go back to watching this game. Yeah, okay? you try to coach. And yeah, no, I don't give, like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm here to drink and, yeah. and, and hang out with you for a little bit. Yeah. Like, you can watch the game. I'll be, yeah. inter- I'll be entertained by how you react to the game. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, like having a couple drinks. They're like, come on, get them. Like, oh, I'm always like, you know, if the play is going, I'm going, oh, there it is. There it is. I yeah. always say it. Um, and I'm like, oh, I, I get into it when I'm there, you know, oh, like, yeah. and I'm watching the game. And that's the other thing, too. Like, I watch the game where a lot of guys, you know, it, it might be, and depending, I guess, who I'm with or what I'm doing, it might yeah. turn into a more of a social event. But for the most part, like at hockey, I watch the game. Now, if I go to a baseball game, there's so much downtime and slow yeah. time. Yes, I'm talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Without a doubt, I'm just BSing. But for hockey, like, it's a great game. It's it's high action speed. It's up and down the yeah. ice. I love it. So I'm into it. I'm watching it. Talking about baseball, uh, slow game. I have a very strong opinion. I think Major League Baseball games should be seven innings. No, I disagree. <laughs> I figured I, you would. Yeah, I'm a, I guess I'm still a traditionalist. Yeah, in that aspect. Oh, very very much so. You know, we talk times we talk about right now, right? The opener, the idea of an opener. Yeah. Right, and how that might. I, I can't wait to see it this year. So, so Brian, uh, being a baseball coach, is trying to you know look into figuring out what's best for his team, and uh, does that type of mentality work? Is that what's going on? Is that what colleges are going to be doing, where guys will be pitching two to three innings compared to five, six, seven innings? Well, you don't like one of the things you don't see very many Greg Maddoxes anymore. No, right? You don't see anybody just throwing ninety four tops with the movement, touching corners, plating it. Everybody throws super hard. It's every everything is like super violent. Their emotions, and so I just don't even know if they can last anymore in that mentality of yeah, I'm gonna go grab the ball. I'm gonna throw nine. I'm gonna do this consistently, or, or I'm gonna go deep. I just think the game is evolving, and I think it's because we coach it differently. We want super high velocity, uh, well, really big, drastic uh, changes of speed between our fastball and our yep, off-speed yep. pitch, right? So. The game changes, and so because of that, I do think we're going to see more of this breakup of pitchers from inning to inning. Well, I think technology might have to deal with that because before with the Greg Maddox, you didn't have the technology to really show an ump that uh, he had, he had all these calls wrong. Instead of a guy, Greg Maddox is going to play the ump. He's going to keep peppering the ball right outside or whatever strike zone he gets, and then he's going to go a little bit farther out a little bit each time to get either swings or get that ump and you know, see what he can get away with. And You can't do that anymore because the strike zones are kind of what the strike zones are, and baseball players know the strike zone. Well, there's still an umpire aspect to it. He's still calling strikes and balls, right? So yeah. you, Tom, you'll see us, and we'll, we'll talk about, and this is a guy that taught me this. He goes, I, and, I, and I agree with this strategy, even at the high school level. He goes, you know, we'll throw the first pitch of – of an inning, and for the most part of a lot of batters, just on the outside corner, we're going to throw out, you know, fastball outside corner. If I hit this spot and my catcher does a good job and we start framing this thing right, we're going to start to create the zone to get bigger. Yeah. And at the very least, if the umpire is willing to give it to me, uh, this also goes back to the umpire. You have to be as a pitcher and read this. Yeah. But if the umpire is willing to give it to me, now the hitters have to adjust, right? The yeah. hitters can't just hold that bat and look at that questionable out. Well, is that on the corner? Or is it yeah. just off the plate? Well, I think it's off the plate, but the umpire seems to be giving this. Yeah. I got to go with this, yeah. right? So 
it, it's a it's a dance. It's a little bit of a dance between but, the hitter, the umpire, the pitcher. But it looks like it's trending towards that. Like there might be like a computer telling what the strikes and balls are, and the ump has like an earpiece in his ear. So like he's almost going. It's I think it's the strike zone is going to be what it is. I hope that that's not the case. Otherwise, I, why put him back there? Just put him off to the side. Oh, that's what's going to happen. I think. I think it's just a slow. I mean, nobody likes to lose their job. So I think. Uh, just I hope that we're not at a point where yeah, some some machine in a truck. You know, some guy is putting a box up yeah, there. Green for a green light goes on for a strike. Uh, you or know, a red one. I I really hope that's not the case. I in, I think that I understand the aspect of getting the calls right. Well, we got to get the calls right. We got to get the calls right. And I think you know absolutely. But there's also this idea of like there's the human element of it, right? But why? Uh, if everybody got the calls right. Would there even be radio shows anymore in the morning <laughs> to talk about how this guy screwed up a call and how like it could have been different for my team? Like well, maybe that whole aspect of it gets gonna get changed too. What if it's better? What if it's just like it's more I mean, the better players aren't gonna get screwed over. We wanna know who the best is. I guess it brings more drama in, bringing a human element to it, but like I hate being screwed over by an ump call. Yeah, there's there's uh I agree with you. You know, and we will say it, you know, and coaches a lot of times will say, Hey, look, um, don't argue with the ump. Like. No, it's not, it's not so much that. It's just like, hey, if we put ourselves in a position where the umpire controls the controls the fate of our game on one single individual aspect, one single individual play, like that's a problem. That means yeah. we did a lot of other things wrong. That you but know, games we do end right. that way. Good I, games I agree. Do. No, I, I agree. I, I always think it's too. I also think that coaches are a bit disingenuous, or, or fans are a bit disingenuous when they say like. Like refs do matter. Calls yeah, yeah, do yeah. matter. Like, well, you don't have a choice. You have to like accept what the rules are and what we have at this time. That's why I'm t- saying take though. basketball right now. Like oh. basketball is a game where, and I had this conversation today. I go, I feel like say for a traveling. Like the other day, Michigan, Michigan State, Teske gets called for a travel. His pivot move just looked weird. Yeah, and because it looked weird, I felt like the ref just filled in the blank. Because then when you went to slow motion, you go. That guy's pivot move. You know, his his left foot stayed down when he went to make that move. So here's Michigan. They're working this ball. They're working this ball. They find Teske finally inside. He's got Cassius Winston, right? This is two points. Unless somehow, you know, Teske takes the ball so low with his hands, Winston gets an easy steal, right? But instead, it's yeah. it's an awkward-looking pivot. Ref calls a travel. Here we go back yeah. the other way when it's supposed to be two points Michigan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just momentum. It's, you okay. know, it's all those things. So I always feel like basketball is one of those games right now. It's like, how you couldn't even go to a, a robot, right? Well, no, because no, no, so many calls can't. have to be made um, in the moment. But unfortunately, basketball can be fixed the easiest. I feel like, and that's what I've kind of said in my last podcast was that because like guys like Donahue and stuff, you can't. You could do exactly what you were saying. You can oh fixing it in terms of yeah. Like I, I, I thought you're yeah. Yes, yeah, for a minute I thought you were fixing it in terms of correcting it. No, but for no. yeah, fixing the game. You're right. I do think like, they they can take a player out. They can take a player out. I mean, you don't have to take a player out with five fouls. No. That's the idea. Like, no, no, no. I just got to give him two fouls early, and then yep. he's going to go to the bench. He's out for a while. Yep. You know? Oh, that if it's an issue. Oh, coach wants to leave him in and be a risk? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll give him a third one. I don't have to give him a third one right away. I'll give him yep. a third one later. Yep. Yep. So th- I think they have the biggest influence on the game. And I'm a part of being able to take all personal influence out of the games as possible. I don't know if we're there yet, but I, you know, I'm willing to take the step towards. As an athlete, I do not, you know, like... The added drama is fun as a fan, but like as a player, I'd be I'm gonna be pretty pissed off if the ump call, makes a blown call on me. Yeah, I just don't know how you do it in basketball. I no. can see in I can see in baseball because yeah. all, it just about every call that can be made. You're right. At some t- point in time, can probably be automatized. Uh, yeah. You know, with some sort of machinery and, and camera angles and you know what. 
how many camera angles and working functions electronically do you have to have, and what does that do for the average fan in terms of going to the game and ticket prices and things of that nature? I mean, it's outrageous already to go to these games at the ticket prices that they are. I can't imagine. Like, you think the consumers going to eat this? Or, or I'm not sorry, the owners are going to eat this additional cost? Oh, of course not. It trickles down to us. They're making a ton of money. They make so much money in this whole business. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. They've got plenty of money, and yet we're still going to get sticked with this additional cost of, and maybe somebody would say, well, actually, Brian, it's going to be cheaper because we're going to get rid of all these umpires. Yeah. And, and they're part of a union, and then that means no more health care, no more this, no more that. So maybe it, it's a wash in the end, right? Yeah. It could be. It could I be. I don't know. I just think it's the technologies there. And, like, balls and strikes, like, the strike zone is what the strike zone is. Like, that's why we're not going to have Greg Max anymore. Uh, unfortunately, because it, it'll be hard for him. It would be hard for him to compete right now the way the strike zones are. They're not the same big strike zones. or Like, every ump had their own strike zone back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that, though. I love that. I of really course, do. Of course. I really do. I think that that's the idea of being able to adjust uh, and adapt within the moment, which is what good athletes have to do. And I still think that the idea that... I, you know, you're right. There's less and less Greg Maddoxes of the world, but I do think there's an opportunity for those guys, as long as they continue to study swings, figure out where holes are, and be able to execute and demand the pitch that they throw, that there's still, a, a, you know, a window of opportunity. I think it's just mostly on a lot of the, you know, the colleges to willing to give those Greg Maddoxes a chance and the JUCOs and all those places that, hey, you know, this guy throws 92, but he gets out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? He does his job. He's really reliable. And you're right. Some games you're going to lose because guys are going to – his ball's not going to move. He's going to catch more ho- over home plate. And, yeah, they're going to drive him out of the park. You know, but I still think that there's a window for it. It's just interesting because you look at the, the new swing, right? We talked about that. Yep. Right? And now – but there are more strikeouts in the league yep. than there ever has been, too, right? Yep. Oh, there's more home runs. Yeah. Nobody's chasing down the records, but there's more home runs overall. by more players overall. Yeah. And – but there's also more strikeouts, too. I don't know. Is that good for the game? Oh, no. I think the game's extremely – I think that only – you know, like, everybody loves the home run, but yeah. when there's nobody on base, that's kind of boring. Well, that also coincided when they changed the ball. Did, I don't know if they ever changed the ball, like, back to what it was. Like, they tightened up the balls, and, like, so, like, the balls go from, like, every two and a half years, they switch them up or something like that. So I do, I know, I do know that they had tighter balls, which were leading to more home runs. Uh, but right now, there's actually less runs over. There's more home runs, but I believe less runs. Like, be, like pitchers are dominating right now. Yeah. Um, but I think like you have like I think the game's changing to being able to throw strikes in the strike zone. That's why that you have to have top notch stuff. You got to be able to throw 95, but also like have some movement on your other pitches. But pitch in the strike zone if you can. Yeah, big time change of speeds. Yeah. Um, but you know, like when we go back to this, like so this is also part of the adjustment, right? Like so Verlander per se, yeah. per se, right? Guy's still having success. This guy's probably attacking the zone up, up the upper part of the zone yep. more with his fastballs, and he's being successful because of it. Just taking what this game gives you. So oh, yeah. this idea, same thing with the umps. Like you have to take a little bit what this game gives you and be able to assess the information and adjust yourselves. Oh, yeah. to what is being given to you. Oh yeah. You know, and I think like this idea, like uh, well, every ump had their own strike zone. Well, take the information. It's not like we yeah. don't have video on these yeah, guys. Yeah, take yeah. the information and go with it. Well, how often do you? You might know this better than I do. How often are athletes, baseball players, looking at information these days? Do you think it's more, like, starting at the high school level? I got to imagine with technology today that these guys can basically go to their video people, you know, and and, and say, hey, look, can you show me my at-bats against so-and-so in my career? 
Can you show me my last 50 at bats? I can. Can you cut up some video for me so I can study this, right? Yeah. And can you stu- can you cut up a video on, you know, his at bats against right-handed hitters like yeah. myself? You know what I mean? And like the major leagues, they have everything. They, they, they I mean, I, that guy could probably do it. Yeah. Types in a few things, can oh, cut yeah. it up. I'm sure it takes some time, but oh, yeah. at the end of the day, those guys can get the information. Yeah. Now, whether or not they're doing using it. Um, sometimes there's information overload, right? Yep, and that's yep. you have to know yourself as a player exactly. a little like bit. Exactly. Like a guy like JD Martinez, I see him looking at iPads all the time in between. Like, but he's the type of guy who can adjust. Castellanos, they, they had a thing when Castellanos talked about like the difference between him and JD, and he was saying, you know, JD is really, really more technical than I yeah. am. You know, he really does a lot of these different things. And, and Castellanos talks about being in a rhythm. You know, he, for him, it was more about being in a rhythm yep. and trying to find that rhythm and emulate in. And stay in that good pocket, yeah. So to speak, where JD much more mechanical, yeah. To everything that he does and technical. That's the that that's the hard thing about coaching baseball is like every guy up there has almost a different kind of like mindset, and it's like how can I get this guy to get it to click? Yeah. Um, I mean, it could be simple. Sometimes simple as a guy needs needs to like focus on his breath. I think breathing up there. If you're just like. <sighs> If you take a deep, methodical breathe in, and when you exhale the swing, like that's how you're going to get more power. But I don't know if guys are even breathing correctly. I think part of it, too, is you have to buy into it and believe it. Yeah. Right? Yes. Right? So, right. so I, I, I would do that, too. Right? I would take, all right, I'm going to take a deep breath and calm myself here. You know, this is just the techniques that I've taught myself or I've learned, and, yep. and I've bought into that, yep. and I believe that. Mm-hmm. And if I have success right after that, I'm more likely to, to believe it, it, right? It, it affirms my belief. And if I don't have success, some guys would go back and be like, Oh, well, you know, that, that's all for, that's all for show. You know, that doesn't mean a thing, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it does go back once again, back to the user, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know <laughs> Chet told me about a story about how, uh, he told some kid who was like, having, he should have been a goal scorer, like scoring more goals, but he kept hitting posts. He was just a little off or something. And he made him like use some like baseball or some type of sticky tape uh, on his like, that was not used for baseball or hockey. And the guy just started like scoring goals and his dad came up to him like, hey, I need to get some more of this tape or whatever. And it was yeah. just like some cheap total tape. Total BS. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Chet tells him a story. Yeah. And this guy's like, yeah, I mean, just doing this little thing, right? Yeah. So we, I remember, like, when we cut the grass two different ways, right? So <laughs> we go vertical, and then we go horizontal, yeah. right? No one would have us cut it three ways with the push mowers, oh, right, my. with the blades spinning. Really? Like, that was a day of practice. Like, <laughs> we just... We just kept to the field, right? So uh, we had all these little pushers with the blade spinning, and we'd cut it three ways, right? Uh, so I've gotten off that. So Kowalski and I one day, you know Kristen, we went out there and we cut it two ways, and we told all the boys, hey, boys, you're going to get the truest hops today because uh, we cut the grass two ways. I said we blew it. You know, we blew those blades one way, and then we blew it back the other way. You are going to get the truest hops. So if anything just came off true and our guy fielded it, all we did was like, hey, two-way cut. <laughs> Two-way cut, you know what I mean? We're just trying to get everybody believing. So then these guys would come up and ask me, like, hey, did we cut it both ways? Did we get a two-way cut? Because the ball came off really good. And it's uh, <laughs> it nothing to do with it, probably, you know? So th- there's a reason why uh, medicines don't get, like, passed, like, whatever, testing, because their percentages aren't higher than a placebo pill. Mm-hmm. A placebo pill, like, it- it's more in the mind mm-hmm. for some people. Now, don't get me wrong. Medicine is... People need it when they right. really need it, but sometimes they really don't, and a placebo will work. Or just telling them something, especially if they kind of like trust you or like look up to you or something like that. They just need something to focus on, like to take almost away from all the other distractions or something like that. Yeah, and they just 
yeah, it just works sometimes. It's it's this mental block that they put on themselves, right? As an, as an athlete, as a player, yeah. it's like, you know, how can I just distract you from your own mental right. block that yep. you are buying into, that you're yeah. believing? How do I distract you from this? And if I got to tell you a little story that's untrue, right? Yeah. Well, then so be it if it works, right? I'm a yeah. great coach at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Coach, you know what? Yeah. Because like, I'm sure, like, like guys later on will remember stuff like that too. Like coach told me this without you know, and like, did yeah, and like give you so much credit when you were not even like thinking that it was that big of a deal or something. And so I'll tell you a chat story real quick because we were both you know eighteen whatever playing summer ball, and I basically I, we get Chet on the team. Like Chet's Chet's not that good. Like he's just okay, but we <laughs> yeah. get him on the team. We're like, hey, you know, he'll show up every day. He'll drive half of us. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like we'll, we'll be good to go. So we go play this championship game out in Jackson, Michigan, right? And we're playing actually, we're playing Allen Park Legion. So this is a team that we're in the same tournament, and we go out there and we find ourselves in the championship. Like we could have stayed at home and played this game, but we're, we drove out to Jackson. Obviously, we played this American Legion game. And my dad is coach, and he feels awful that Chet's been driving out there all weekend, and he's driving four or five of our guys, and he hasn't played. Uh. And he decides to put him at second base. And like my true dad's fashion, he goes, yeah, you're going to get DH for it. Mind you, I'm having like a great hitting. Like I'm, I'm batting like over 500 in this tournament. Like okay. I'm just seeing the ball really well. I'm hitting the ball really well. I'm like, and I look at our assistant coach, and I am just furious. Like, okay, I'm pitching today. Uh, and I know the idea is maybe, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to have him just focus on pitching. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm the best hitter on our team right now. Like I am the best hitter on our team. Well, how am I not in the lineup? And – this is a coach like, hey, I, I don't know. This is the craziest thing. You, you know, it's your dad, dude. Your dad. Your, your dad just sat you, dude. He yeah. just benched your head, your bat. Like I kind of respect that, though. I yeah, I understand. Now you do. I'm you know, fair. I understand it. I get it. But it was like, Chet didn't care. You oh, know really? what I mean? Chet just liked coming. He liked being around us. He liked, you know. At the end of the day, what do we do at every tournament? We play cards and poker. Right, yeah, so okay. Chet was cleaning up. He was going, oh, yeah. you know what I mean. He was making a hundred bucks every day, anyhow, <laughs> being on this team. You know, just taking money from uh, guys. Poker hit big at that time. This is, I think, the same year where we had Matt Shoemaker on the team. Okay, so you know Shoemaker obviously is a Trenton guy, and I, I can't remember. I think this is the year that Shoemaker was on the team, and Matt Shoemaker made it to professional baseball. He was a pitcher for the Angels. Yeah, he's now in Toronto. He's okay. He's still, he's yeah. still in Toronto. Okay, so. Matt, and I'm not even so sure his dad would be very proud of this. Well, Matt was like younger, right? He's younger than all of us. Yeah. He's big. He's big. He grew up, he was a big 15-year-old. And Matt was playing cards, and you clearly know he didn't know how to play cards like the rest of us were playing cards. I mean, this poor yeah. guy is from Trenton, right? So for us, he's got uh, a lot of money because yeah. he lives in Trenton, right? So he's <laughs> he's a whale, so to speak, right? I got a joke that I like to say. I grew up rich yeah. <laughs> for Lincoln Park. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm very lucky at Lincoln I'm Park. I'm very fortunate, right? So yeah. but Matt, so the very last one of the year, this is a second you know, side story, but the very last weekend of the year, we're at NABF, and we couldn't have been there more than maybe two hours. We get settled into our rooms. We're playing cards right away. We got the PlayStation going on. PlayStation tournament has started. You know, yeah. there's an entry fee. Yeah. Uh, poker's going on, and Shoemaker probably loses like 120 bucks already. And then he starts borrowing money, and uh. Kowalski borrows him 40 bucks. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, I'll pay you back when my dad gets here. I'll pay you back when my dad gets here." Well, we have like a really, we actually open up really good. Like we win the first two games, but then we like. I don't know. We didn't go to bed or something, but... Of course. We lose two games that we shouldn't... We lose to a team that we definitely shouldn't uh, lose to. We made a bunch of errors, struck out a bunch. Then we're, we couldn't kind of 
regrip ourselves, reorganize, and get ready for the next one. We lost that one too. So either way, the Jewmaker bolts home, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of us are 18, so a lot of us aren't going to play with Matt anymore, right, in terms of Legion or anything like that. So Kowalski always says when he sees Matt on TV, uh, he goes, that guy owes me 40 bucks. <laughs> that guy owes me 40 bucks. Can you believe that? That major leaguer owes me 40 bucks from an NABF tournament weekend down uh, in Youngstown, Ohio, right? That's a great story. I don't know if Matt would ever remember something like that, but it's a yeah. great story. I wanna, about, I'll try to reach out to him on Twitter or something like uh, that. You have to make, put it in a message. I don't want to yeah. embarrass the guy. The guy's going to be like, yeah, Aww. yeah. I don't, yeah but That's he's, a great uh, story. It is. It really is a great story because every time that guy comes on TV, Kowalski will be like, that guy owes me 40 bucks. And when I see him next time, I'm going to get my 40 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> You'd feel bad though for some guys. I mean, but like it's almost kind of a lesson you got. Like you're, we've all been there when you start gambling. Like you got, you're gonna you're gonna get taken advantage of. I Matt probably didn't learn a thing of baseball that year, but he might have learned a little bit about cards. Yeah, but it kind of like teaches you something. I don't know, like being able to lose money like that. And yeah, you better put some money like maybe back at the room and just be like, you know, yeah, <laughs> I can only go this far. I gotta yeah. have some meal money. Yeah, <laughs> you take a whip it though sometimes. It's just the. Bad luck goes. You get bad beat of cards, right? The yeah. bad beat of cards. Oh, man. So, oh. But, yeah, so to, to, cir- to circle back to Chet and that story, we lose to Allen Park Legion that day. And, you know, Chet kind of – Chet, like, is in his position where he, like, feels bad. He doesn't, he doesn't perform poorly. He plays fine no. at second base. He yeah. makes all the plays. Um, I think he gets on a couple times. So Chet's not DHing for me. Chet, they just he literally put Chet at second base, and I think he, the guy that he removed from second base, he allowed him to be the DH for me. Okay, which which was Mac, and I don't think I think he let Mac DH, and Mac clearly wasn't as good of a hitter. Mac would say the same thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac Horvath. Mac or? Horvath. So it was. Uh, so Mac's a better baseball player than Chet. Well, I don't. Chet wouldn't agree to that. <laughs> Chet wouldn't agree to that. I wanted you to say it. That would be that would be a great radio show right there. Just have those two guys square up at the circle table and see uh, oh, see him oh, go at it. Man. I would love to see him go out of the field right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. The, those two probably would. Yeah, it, it was great, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So I'm just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm not hitting today. Yeah. And I think I went up there one time, and that, and I think I got a walk because I think he eventually put me in, and I got a walk. But uh, I'm just like, and, and we lost the game like three to yeah. one. You know, well, it was a good game. We it, lost three one. It's funny to hear you say that about Chet because I've, I've only mostly been around when he's like a top athlete in the room or type of situation. So to see him actually be humble like that and be accept that he was like a role player, kind of. Yeah, in a way though, but he was not a humble role player. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was no, there was no humility in no, like, no. He had a great way of like saying he's a really important guy, and we would be nothing without him in whatever position oh, that he was that in. Sounds, right? That sounds right. That sounds more like it because he thinks he could do anything. That's like, the beauty of Chef Utah, yeah. right there. It really is. Uh, I mean, but. We've done things like he's. I've also like, of course, the guy seven houses down from me like leads the state in goals or whatever. Like I grew up with him, and he's like made me like not think I was that good at sports because this guy was older and just dominated me. Well, well how about me? So for hockey, right? I had the good fortune of playing with Chet, and I'm I also just, had the good fortune of playing with Joe Smith, and Joe yeah. Smith was a really good oh, goal yeah. scorer, right? Yeah. So the idea, like, I get Kowalski abuses me every day to this day about being a crummy hockey player. I was like a house <laughs> hockey player. I grew Playing travel hockey my whole life, I wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Granted, I wasn't on those guys' level, no, but I wasn't yeah. bad. Yeah. And he would just be like, "Oh yeah, Chet would just steal the steal the puck right <laughs> off the stick." <laughs> and then your mom was keeping you know, score booths, so you just got assists, and you know, I'm like, "Look, man, uh, don't be mad at me because I played with two fifty plus goal scorers yeah, in three yeah. years. Like, yeah. yeah, I and I was on the same line as them because, yeah, yeah. you know." So, yeah, I got 35 assists out of the 50. You know, yeah. don't be upset with me. And, you know, yeah, occasionally I scored a goal or two. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You chipped in some, yeah, goals. Uh, 
yeah. He was a really good high. It was really fun to watch him play some of those games that we won. We should have done a lot better. Well, you know what? I always go back to that Riverview game where he scored five goals, right? We went 5-4 and he scores five goals. Yeah. I mean, that's just amazing. He did that twice. Game. He did the same yeah, thing he did. to Carlson. And he yes. scored, like, the same way where the game, like, I went into, is the penalty box still open? I have no idea. Not in Wyandotte, at least. Not it's in not, If it is, it's still open over at the, uh, the Brownstown Ice Arena. Or the Brown, oh. You know, they changed that name, but the old ice box. Okay, well, I went so. to the Wyandotte one, and the one dude was like a younger guy who would, like, we get our skates sharp and free or cheaper or something like that. And we just lost to Cabrini. And when Hartman was pretty upset, like, Oh, yeah. His alma mater. They were, like, the worst. Well, so I go in there. The guy's like, we're about to play Riverview. And he's like, you think you're going to beat Riverview? I'm like, I don't know. I, we got a good squad. He's like, you just lost to Cabrini, the worst <laughs> team down river. <laughs> I'm like, all right, dude. Whatever. <laughs> this guy was chirping you, and he's sharpening your skates yeah. at the same time. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So then we go to play Riverview. And, like, Chet used to play with their goalie. And their goalie was like, just don't let that guy score. It'll stop that guy. <laughs> like, they knew everything we had. And Chet's school, it was 4-4. 12 seconds left, a face-off at our own zone. And he was supposed to win the face-off back. We had a, 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 yeah. a Lindsay play where he, the face-off yeah, guy the would win it back. Play. No, really? not that one. No, not a, the cutthroat. Okay. It was, we, do, we can talk about that later where I blew that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was like the, a flip play where the defenseman would flip the puck oh, and the yeah. winger would try to like uh, skate. It was probably supposed to be to you or something like probably. that. And Chet's yeah, probably. Like, Chet's like, no, I ain't doing that. Instead, he tipped the puck between the guy's legs, split the defense, and scored a goal to win us the game. Yeah, and I, re- and I remember Chet saying, like, hey, I'm, I'm not doing this. is what I'm doing. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, like, this like, is, so he, he would, because he would tell me, like, hey, make sure you tie up your man. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm going in between this guy's legs. Yep. And then I'm going to split the D and I'm going to score. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was you did just that like, twice. All right. Th- tie game. I remember in that game, so. Obviously, so I would watch Eiserman write a lot, right? So here's a guy now at his career with, you know, he's, he's a, obviously he's a great hockey player, Hall of Famer, but you could tell for his game, he's not faster than anybody out yeah. there anymore, right? Yep. So Eiserman had this classic, he'd get over the blue line, hit the brakes hard, stop, and he still had a good shot, but he would either stop to shoot or stop to pass, essentially, Yeah. right? So I would pull that move off all the time. Because if I couldn't get around a guy, I was yeah. like, all right, what's my play? So I would yep. hit that brakes hard, stop, yep. and I pass one across to Chet. And Chet one times this laser in the thing. And I'm like, that's a big-time play. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, like, hitting one-timers are hard. Like, I watched a guy yesterday come out of the, the you know, for the wings, come from the defense. This pass wasn't even given that hard. It was just kind of a, a nice, smooth puck rolling to him. And he totally whiffs on it. Yeah. You know? And didn't even break a stick. So he whiffed down this puck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's not easy. Hitting a no. one-timer, top shelf. He made it look. He makes it look easy. And then he, like, insults you when you don't do it, make it look easy or do something. Like, oh, come on. Like, he got upset when we lost to Cabrini because I already had a couple goals and he passed me the puck to, to try to score another one and I missed. And yep. he was like, I should have just taken it. Like... <laughs> <laughs> if you can't do the job, I'm not going to give it to you, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> uh, we lost it because he did play on our team for the first couple of games because he was playing, what is it, junior hockey or something? Yeah, yeah, like he was that. playing junior hockey. So we joined our team late. The first game versus Crestwood, uh, we lose with him on there, and he probably like could have scored more goals or something, but he was trying to like pass the puck too much, and Nate told him, like, dude, don't pass the puck, just right. score goals. Yep. The score. You know, it's funny because I- even in basketball, like I've coached, and it's like, well, look, What's best for your team right now is actually for you to be selfish. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I know you're trying to be a good teammate yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. pass the ball, yeah. but that's not what's best for your team. No. Nope. What's best for your team is that you take it in and score. Yeah. Like, I don't want you to have like four guys on you. And right, like, right, right, right. Like, don't try to beat four guys. Yeah. 
But, but yes, at some point you got to. You, you could pass this ball, and potentially this guy could, who's way lesser of a player, is going to miss yeah. the layup, yeah. right? Or you could just take it over that guy on the one-on-one situation, yeah. probably score, maybe even get an yeah. and one. What right? are your percentages, chances? Yeah. That's what you're playing. You're playing the odds, and our best odds were Chet had, would shoot the puck or score, like he was our best player. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a lot of fun playing with him. I wish we would have won more games. Obviously, we lost to Windot. We were talking about the cutthroat. Yep. And that was a play where it was specialized for me to come. It was a trick play, basically, in yeah, our own zone. Out. And when the faceoff dropped, the center won the faceoff back to the D. The the winger would go to the bench and get all at the er, like He'd get off at the defensive do- or whatever, you know. Yeah. You'd go off on the, the board clo- in the zone or closest to the zone. Yeah. And the other guy would hop off the far end of the board. Yeah. You know. And it worked in the playoffs yes. for us. First wind dot who... Yeah, because the defense is bringing the puck back into the zone. Yeah. You know, deeper into the zone, so the defenseman has no reason. And yeah. he, he, the defenseman essentially sees you exit the ice from that board, but he doesn't realize that the guy is hopping on behind him. Yeah, exactly. You and know, it and worked perfectly. It did. Yeah. Pa- great pass. I deked the goalie. Yeah. And did I, it roll off your stick on the deke? Yeah, it just rolled off. And usually I would go to my forehand. I always went, to, like, my move was like, you know, you have a move. Like, yeah. Yeah. goalies don't yeah. know you. You got to like, move. You got to yeah. move. You got to move. And I went to the backhand. Same move, just went to the backhand. Yeah. Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it just rolled off. Seemed like a really good idea at the time. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> why, why make it more difficult? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember going into that game, you know, Coach, because Chet and I had played on the line a lot yeah. in that season. Like, we'd play on the same line. And we went into that game going, maybe we should separate because we were we knew we were going to pretty much rotate two lines. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like, Chet would always go, I would go, and then occasionally if I said I needed a blow, I would take a, you know, like, hey, I need I need to get a breath here. Yeah. Or Chet, you know, five-minute shifts. That was the one thing with Chet. Like, we're right. just going to run five-minute shifts because Chet at 80% was better than our third line at 100%, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. Chet 50% was probably you know, better. So, it, I was, but I remember, like, I was dying. I was not used to playing like that. I was, you know, yeah. taught, hey, 45 second shifts, you go hard, you get off the ice, you know, like, no. this is what I'm going to do. And I had to adjust, like, just to be able to skate with this guy because he's going to be out there forever. So, I remember that game, we had a conversation. So, we actually split up, and I played on, you know, the second line, you played on the first line. And what did we lose 4 2 in that game? Uh, which game? The- in the wind game. I don't. It was either one or two goals. It, we was, were, it was one or two goals because I thought we were right there. I know I scored a goal in that game, but I didn't score that game until Chet and I decided, like, hey, we we do have to play together because it was the third period. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, had yeah. To, we had to get on the ice at the same time. Yeah, because they were shadowing Chet. So if Chet could draw two or three guys, it would open me up. And I did score a goal right in the middle of like I was wide yeah. open, hash marks right yeah. in the middle of the net, and I put one in my favorite spot. I always like to go bottom right. Oh yeah, yeah growing yeah, up yeah. that was my spot. Like blocker, if I could shoot, like blocker low. No, it wasn't even blocker low. Oh, it was typically glove side oh, low. Oh, glove side low. Glove side low. I liked going the blocker. I liked cutting across and then going like going back. It was block. just where I could get it off quickest, fastest, and hardest, and yeah. you know, low to the ice. I just liked it. Yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that game was a heartbreaker because I st- I never heard the end about missing that breakaway because we were up like one nothing at that time, and I think we would have taken like a two nothing lead. Would it right. would have been like I don't know, but a different game at that point. Yeah, so. but they were good too. I mean, they were good. Oh yeah, they they weren't no. We that was probably one of the better teams we had deep wise. Like we were actually decently deep. Like our yeah, like prepared. our th- the third line wasn't terrible. Yeah, you know, and our like defense. they were serviceable. They were the they were yeah. our grind line, and they could yeah. they were serviceable. And our defense was solid too. Like we could run four defense out there. Well, I moved the back to D. I actually played a ton that year because they, I was starting off uh, offense, and they moved me back to D. 
But we only had one power play line. And yep. so it was me, you, yep. and Chet for yep. the offensive. That, that was it. Like yep. we, so, Stay out there for two minutes. So I would be out there for two minutes on defense, though, because I hogged a lot of time on defense. We'd get a power play. I'd go out there for two minutes for the power play, and there would be times that I'd have to go back, like, to go up. We need you back on D because we only play, like, 4D or something like that. The other two are just on the power play, too. Yep. So put me right back. I, there was times I played five-minute shifts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And high like, school hockey had a smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad high school hockey had a smile. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish we would could have had a little bit better coaching. I felt like a little bit better coaching well, could have taken it's us. It's funny because, and this is, I'm sure, so many, like I'm like one of those older guys that come back and they watch a game and you're like, gosh, you know, how bad is hockey now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys did that the year after. Oh, like, like, we come back and watch and be like, man, how bad is hockey oh, gotten yeah. today at the youth level? Oh, you my know? God. I'm sure like every old guy probably watches every new generation come up and be like, oh. You would check it. That to the me, skills are so bad at this level. <laughs> you guys graduated the next year. Like I was on streak to be like compete with like Chet's goal record, or, which I, I had thirty six, which was still good, wow. but not what he had. But like he was like, oh, they're so bad. Like it was just one year after. Like we're just playing way worse teams. We must have changed the schedule. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah. there's way worse teams out there. <laughs> we had to change the schedule for oh, that. It's so bad out for there that now. to take place. I'd have seventy by now this year. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, that's good stuff. You should have just told Chad, like, hey, just be thankful I didn't play baseball at the time. I would have taken your yeah, place right, at second base. Yeah, right, I was second base. Yeah, that's too, right. So. That's right. Uh, I never, again, I never had, like, I left off with the World Series champion. I played with the Lincoln Park. What is it, like, the what's the, the TOC. No, not, I didn't do the TOC. You were, were TOC I was champ. TOC champion. That yes. was pretty good, but you guys had a stack. That was ridiculous. We, we were how a stack you got team, that team for a little league. Yeah. I didn't yeah, want to we talk were, about how you got that Tony team. Paul made some things yeah. happen for Come us. We were, we were loaded for bear. <laughs> we were loaded for How'd bear. How'd that happen? I don't know, but yeah. I, well, the they got me, so he must have got like a, a top pick because yeah. the way it was is like, you know, if you were a coach, like the kids were always on your team. Yeah. Like, yep. So he must have still been able to get a top draft. Yeah. So obviously it was me, you know, Curtis, um, was it Clay Peck? Was Clay Peck's dad a coach? Clay Peck, yep. So, uh, yeah, Big Jim was a coach. And then they had, like, like they, you guys had, like... But then big, we, got, we picked up, like, John Isom mid-year. Yeah. You got, like, guys that, like, re- like he almost, like, maybe, like, picked guys he knew he could almost make quit or would quit by, like, a point and yeah. then pick up, use that as, like, maybe. to pick up other guys. Yeah, because it was like, oh, yeah, we're a guy short. We have to get John. Yeah, we got to like, get the next guy. Oh, who's yeah. up? Oh, this yeah. guy wants to play? I remember being... I remember when we were taking infield... And we did have like one spot in the outfield. It was like right field, you know. Yeah. We're yeah. gonna put that, yeah, <laughs> that guy yeah, that yeah. can't catch it out right. Yeah. So we did have one spot, and coach would just hit infield. He'd be like, "Hey, whoever catches it today is starting. I haven't made a starting lineup yet. So whoever coach, whoever catches one of these is starting in right field." You oh know? man! <laughs> and then when neither of them would catch it, because I was catching a lot of times for uh, us. Yeah. So he'd be like, "Well, he looked like he was the closest, so we're gonna start him," <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who was out there right, but I'm like, oh, this is priceless. You know, these poor kids out there trying to catch fly balls. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're just stabbing at air. Oh, yeah. It was great. But, yeah, we we, we were a good we were a good team. I mean, we had uh, I mean, we had Marcus Veltz, and he, he's coaching at Riverview Basketball. Okay. Marcus Veltz is. Uh, Waddell was our second baseman. Kurt would go play first. I'd catch. Clay Peck would catch. We had Isom that could just throw gas. Jimmy Dre back. You know, just a bunch of these names that I just remember. We're all just good little league, good little league yeah, ball players a, when we were 11, 12. So, and then when we beat Taylor, right, beating Taylor yeah. for the TOC champion, yeah. like that was a big deal because Taylor had a great little league. Yeah, Taylor. I remember playing All Stars at like twelve. They had like two girls that were like good. 
Yeah, hey, they were doing that Monet. Was that girl's Monet or uh, what know. was that girl's name uh, that played in that Little League World Series that was legit? Oh, was she? Yeah, oh yeah, the Little League World Series a couple years, a few years back. I mean, she was a pitcher and she was legit. Was she the knuckleballer? She might have been. I don't know. I just remember her being like actually pretty. She was like their pitcher. Nice. Yeah, she was good. But I, that year when we played Taylor, was like they were good. And, and you know what? They had the last laugh because they knocked us out. And the All Stars in the All Stars, yeah. So we had beat them in TOC, but they knocked us yeah, out. Yeah, you just had a ridiculous. You had like an All Star team for TOC. I agree. We had like seven guys make that All Star team off like our team. starting players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah good but, year. It was a good good time. Good time to be an eleven year old in Lincoln Park, <laughs> in Lincoln Park South Little League. <laughs> do, do we have a history of like peaking early at Lincoln Park, or uh, in terms of at, uh, oh oh for our athletes? Yeah, you know I. I don't know. I I definitely think that there's a a system aspect of it that you have to connect with. And now it's completely different, right? Yeah. The with with school of choice. Yeah. Well, that was, you, a, that was my next you, question. You, you're like, losing. You, you, you know, lose. You, we lose some athletes on our fringes. On the fringes part of our city, these guys have these choices. I mean, at the end of the day, in and now also social economics, right? I mean, yep. we are a essentially a, a poorer city for yes. median income average yep. than we were. 25 years ago, yep. or when we went to school, right? So you've got these people that have to make a real decision of, well, do I send my kid to Lincoln Park Middle School and they have to cross 4th Street if they're walking there, or do I send them to Wilson Middle School mm-hmm. and they don't have to cross a major road and it's just closer? Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. Makes complete sense. And you, like, got some of, and you got some of those other parents that, hey, I can send them to so-and-so, I can send them here, I can send them yeah. there, you know, and they're willing to do that. So it, it it's definitely has changed. It makes it a little bit harder. It definitely has changed. there's so much recruiting. Yeah. There's so much active. Well, part of it is recruiting. When you see a guy go in their high school when they're already at high school and they go, then you know that, hey, that was probably some active recruiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the part where, you know, you want to make sure that we can – the state has got to do a better job of just stemming active recruiting. Yeah. Like if you're a coach and you want to actively recruit, then take a shot at college. Yeah, right. I, I agree with that. You know, because my, my attitude is, and one is because obviously I, I'm I'm coaching and teaching in the district and in the community that I came from. So my goal is to serve literally the, the, the community members. Right? There's some kid in Lincoln Park that wants to who played in Lincoln Park Little League that wants to grow up and wear rails across his chest, and we're going to try to do our best to provide that opportunity for him. Yeah. Now, if we've got some kids that come in due to school of choice. We're not going to stem that. We're not going to tell them to go home. No. But I'm not actively recruiting that kid because I'm going to serve the kids in my community. Yeah. Give them an opportunity. Right. So when coaches are out there actively recruiting, they've just changed it. It's no longer about – it's a shell. Like, they're going to claim, well, no, it's about my school. It's about doing the best thing I can for my community. community. You know, we want to put a winner out there. Yeah. Okay, well, you just shunned four kids from your community to go be a win – to go be a winner. Yeah. Right, this idea. Oh, you're a winner, right? So now all these people are going to tell you how great of a coach you are. All these people are going to tell, you, oh wow, yeah, he, he's got a great system. But you have better players. Yeah, you know, you you you've got four different cities on a nine man roster. Is that great coaching, or should you just win? Yeah, like right. you know what I mean. Am I supposed to be wowed, or or should you just win? You know, because you have better players. I like the community aspect of it. I think that's if you can, that's the right way to do it. Um, gives these kids an opportunity. Do some coaching. Yeah, coach them up. 
Coach them up. You know, coach them up. Coach up what you have. And 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 I know. And I, I've tried to say because a lot of coaches they come in and they are they come from the college ranks or they come from here and they're like, hey, I want to be really competitive. We want to win. We want to do all these things. And and so I'm going to go out and get these guys and I'm going to help. You know, you know, push them or you know, we're yeah. going to get them to this next level. And it's just like there's a kid that lived two blocks away from your school that was hoping to play second base this year. Well, he just got cut because you he wasn't good enough for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wasn't yep. good enough for you. Yep. But he didn't know this guy was coming. Yep. You know what I mean? He had no idea. Nope. You know, and all he wanted to do was wear your uniform yeah. and play for you, and now he's not going to get that opportunity. I mean, playing hockey, there were some kids that barely got to play, but they loved being a part of the team. Yeah. And, yeah, you're hurting that opportunity. Like, that means a lot to that person. Like, how many of these guys are going to go play professional sports? But a lot of these guys are going to remember that for a long time. Now, think about this, too, if you're a kid – who gets, you know, blindsided, so to speak, by a kid that comes in from a different community. Now, you could say, well, well, you know, kids move in all the time. Well, that kid's a part of that community then. And, yes, there is school choice. But so if your program is winning and it just recruits itself, that's one thing. But, once again, if you're out there actively recruiting, bringing guys in, then this is about you in your success, and because you want to be successful, because you're giving all this time, yeah. so to speak. So you've just made it about you. It it's less. It's less about your community. It's less about the kids in your community, yeah. and it's just more about you. More having to, fun and winning. You're probably going to leave, so, like at the first opportunity to go somewhere else. Almost like if if somebody's willing to offer you something bigger and better. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. No, they're not just going to leave to leave. But yeah, that's what. I, that's almost what they're aiming for is like to get attention so they can then go do go somewhere else. Or probably with whatever inner circle and somebody goes, oh, man, oh, you're, yeah. wow, you're a great coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're a great coach. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. You don't even know that. Maybe maybe you are. Yeah. But you're right. You, how, do you, how do you measure yourself as being a great coach when – You're recruiting. You, you, like I said, you've got four different cities in your starting lineup. Yeah. Like, you should probably beat that team next door to you. Like, I always say it like this. Like, I respected Beale City. Beale City, I would watch them this about maybe three years ago. Beale City is an amazing community. People won't give them credit. But people probably don't talk about them as much because they never won the state title, I don't think. <laughs> they finished second. They finished second in football. They finished second in baseball. The fact that they were there for football and baseball within a year or two of each other, this tiny little community, you know who they lose to, at least in baseball? Gross Point Liggett. <laughs> Gross Point Liggett's got guys from all over. Yeah. But we're going to, you know, in, uh, Dan Simney does a, is, is a good coach, and he does a good job. There's no doubt about it. But, no, he's a private school, so that's a little bit different, too, yeah. than a public school, right? There, what, what private school is, is he supposed to serve, or what, what community is he just supposed to serve Gross Point? Like, that's difficult to do at a private school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so that aspect is a little bit, which is why I always say, like, private schools should just play themselves in the state playoffs, yeah. and public schools should play themselves in the state playoffs. There should just be two separate things because they're two separate entities. I think if you are at a private school, you do have to recruit to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. I don't know what's coming up underneath. I don't even know if I have enough guys. Yeah. So there is a degree of recruiting that you have to do, I believe, at a private school in order to just, one, ensure I got enough guys that I can compete with or even play with. Yeah. So that's why I've always said, like, they're just two separate things. They should just be separate. You know, I, okay, during regular season, knock yourselves out. Play each other as often as you can. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, 100%. But when we get to the state playoffs, because we've got two different apples and oranges here, you know what I mean? It, to me, it's not the same. Yeah. You know, so I always felt bad for here's Buell City, and they got to go against Gross Point Leggett. Gross Point uh, Leggett's got these guys coming in from 40 mi- you know, forty minute drives, 35 minute drives, 30 minute drives to come mm-hmm. to their school. And Buell City is, is 
they might be driving 25 minutes to the school, but there's because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's out there nowhere. You got all this farmland you got to cut through with all these square roads, you know. Oh, yeah. So, that's I, I, you know, that's the part where I go, wow, who's talking about Beale City? Because yeah. that's a great job from the ground up. Yeah. Like, that's a community right yeah. there, right? They do it right from the ground up, all the way from the Little League, all the way through their high school. They yep. took a group of kids, and they did a great job that's, with them. That's great. And they competed at a football level on a state level. They competed at a baseball level on a state level. And granted, maybe they didn't win a state championship, but it's really, really, really impressive that's, what they did. That's very impressive. Well, you bring up baseball and football, and that's, I guess, kind of lead to my next question. You are now – let me. Maybe I'm mishearing this. You are the coach of the varsity football team at Lincoln Park? Lincoln Park High School varsity football. You must have a lot of years playing football growing up. Yeah, zero. Right? Yeah, zero zero years of experience coaching football. It wasn't something that – it wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't a decision that I made lightly. And, in fact, it wasn't even something that I thought I was ever going to do, right? It was kind of of approached to say, look, we really think that you would be a good fit right now is the time for you. We don't want kids leaving. Right, you have a good relationship with our kids. Yep, we think that, you know, if kids walk out the door, that's money. Yeah, right. So two kids walk out the door, it went to fifteen grand. If, th- if four kids walk out the door, there's thirty grand, and now we pretty much lost a teacher. Yeah. right. Essentially, like there that's you go. You're, we're getting close to t- some teacher salary. So we really want you to come in, and because it's just that I've, I've, I'm organized. Yep, I do have good relationships and reports with our student and. And, and, and staff, really, too. Oh, that's yeah, part of it at the sure. football level. Like, you're going to need people's help. Yes. Like, it's way too big of an animal. Yep. So um, I those could, things, I think, uh, they, they kind of said, look, you should really consider this. And I said, well, i, I got to have a staff, and i got to be able to put a staff together. And that was yeah. in – then I have to go ask people, like, are you willing to coach for a guy that has zero yep. football coaching experience? You know, and so we had to balance it with people that I knew yep. from growing up and – Guys that, or guys that wanted an opportunity, or guys that was just like, yeah, I'm, I want to coach, but I want to be the head coach because it's it's an it's a beast. Yeah, well, being the head coach of football is a beast. I mean, well, some of these states like being a head coach of a baseball or football team would be like a full time job. Yeah, like down in the south, like it's yeah. a thirty five, forty thousand dollar yeah. gig. You get an office, you come in, you do football all day. <laughs> yeah, I, is... I wouldn't expect that type of treatment for a guy who has zero experience <laughs> coaching football. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it goes to say, like, how respected you are within your community for something, like, to even be, come up to you. Like, it wasn't your idea whatsoever. No, in fact, I actually kind of was, it was the other way. I'm like, I think you guys should really go through the process. Yeah. And I think part of the other thing is, is before I did this football, I was doing volleyball. Okay. And mind you, I never coached volleyball you never coached. So you have experience. You ha- First, you have experience of coaching something you do know, doing really well, because I see how much the kids respect you. Like, you don't have to ask kids twice. Like, you say something, they just do it. Yeah. Like, I'm not used to that type of command over people, and you're not like a yeller or something like that, right. or, like demeaning or something. They're not scared of you. No. It's out of respect. Yes. Hey, hey, boys, pick up these balls. Boom, picked up. Yep. Like, and I don't is that how you were raised through baseball? Like, is that how Nolan kind of ran things? You guys did? Well, n- Nolan would sit there and make you run. Like, yeah. if you didn't do it fast enough, we were running, right? Okay. So, um, and one thing about Nolan, like, I only played for him a year. So, he, I played for him in his last year. And with Nolan, he, you found out right away. Here's these guys coming in their senior year, and Nolan would be like, you're going to act like that, you go. And drop your bag by the door. See you later. You know, no one at that point had 50 years in. 50 years. 45, 50 years. I mean, so he wasn't intimidated by some mediocre senior yeah. giving him fluff. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah, That wasn't going to shake and rattle him at this yeah, point yeah, in time, yeah. you know. So, But still, as a young kid coming up, you're like, you want to do what you can. You want to crack the lineup. Yep. I'm a sophomore. I want to start. Yeah. I don't want to sit the bench. Um, so you let all these guys just kind of like, 
hang themselves out to dry, and you're like, ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah. See you later. I, that's just I just moved up the pegging board here a little bit. I'm gonna, I plan on starting in about two weeks now. <laughs> the way this is going, keep dropping like flies. Yeah, you know. But for us, and the other thing that like we so when I was there was no school choice. There was yeah. 25 kids, 30. You know, you, you know, but you could have big teams. Yeah. You know, you could do that. And now we can't do that. Um, you know, we, you saw our tryout numbers; they weren't big. I think we got a lot of baseball players this year, but we didn't have a ton of kids to try out. No, so we can't just run kids off because no, you know we yeah. want to run kids off. And the other thing too is like, our kids got to work. Yeah, like our kids are like, hey, I want to go on spring break too. Yeah, and that kid over there in that community can have his mom cover a lot of spring break. My mom's not covering spring break. No, but I still want to go. I still want to have nice clothes. I yep. still want to have a car. I still want to have a phone. The high school experience. I still want. I, I still want to. Yeah, I still want to be a kid and be able to have all these high school experiences without having to, you know. And so you have to balance that. Yeah. Like, oh, if I I could tell them, like I could do a draw a hard line in the sand, and be like, well, nope, you're not serious about baseball. And that's the other thing too. Like, not every kid has the same passion as I do about exactly. the sport. Exactly. Yeah. So if I draw a hard line in the sand, I might only have nine kids left. Yeah. Well, well, that's no good either. No. So you have to give a little bit on yeah. um, what you go, well, I know that this is this is how you do it, right? Yeah. This is the right way to do it. But at high school, maybe at a different, you know, maybe at a different high school, Yeah, I could do that. Exactly. I, I'm not at that high school right yeah, now. I'm at this at- high school where I got to balance where my kids are coming from. And I have to understand that a little bit. Like if I was a kid, I went on spring break. Yeah. My, our coach let us go on spring break. It was okay. Okay. So I had a job. I made money. And I went on spring break just like other high school kids yeah. did. And I know that not every baseball program allows that. You know, like, that was a good way to be like, don't even come out to my team, you know, for a lot of coaches. Don't even come out to my team if you're going on wow. spring break, you know? That's, that, yeah. You know, my dad was the same way back in the 70s. Like, yeah. hey, you, you know, you're going on spring break? Well, you're not serious about baseball. Hit the hit the bricks. All right? Well, we, we don't have that option. No. I can't just throw kids off willy-nilly. No. Yeah. You know, and you, you know, this idea that, well, you'll have the right guys. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Maybe. It's Because you could lose the locker room. Like if you start, if you have guys start rebelling, like well, that. imagine if I threw off three guys right away because they said they were going on spring break, and then we start losing. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. other guys are gonna be like, mm. Yeah. Way to go, coach. I quit. Yeah. This is stupid. This isn't fun. Yeah. I, th- this isn't what I was hoping that we would do. You know, like so. It's a, it's a, we try to create that balance, and I know there's a lot of coaches that would go like, Yep, totally disagree with you. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. You know, I, I love hearing like. When we go to those coaching clinics and like this is how we do it here. Yeah. This is how you this is how you get a winner. Oh all right. And very rarely have I ever heard a coach come up and say, I have low socioeconomics, we have these problems here, and yeah, we're a winner. Yeah. You just typically don't find it. No, money talks. You uh, know, like like you know, most of the guys I hear from are guys that come from communities where they're pay to play. Yeah. Or they're a private school. Or they're, you know, completely different situation. Yeah, I'm not hearing anybody from the from the lower burbs of of socioeconomics go like I've created a winner and this is how I've done it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's just really really hard C- to consistently do it because it takes a lot of time. Like, you, I mean, I I know what your typical day kind of is, but explain it. Like, what time are you waking up and what does that routine look like? So if we're doing rise and grind right now on Tuesday and Thursdays, I get up at four forty five in the morning, let the dog out, shower do my morning, you know, what my morning job is. And then at 6 o'clock, I show up at the high school because that's when the high school opens. So 6 o'clock, I start. I get it all set up for Rise and Grind. Um, and then we go from 6.30 to 7.20. And then at 7.20, 
I teach over at the middle school, right? So I got to go at 720. I got to drive over. So I get back in my car real quick. And it's only just half a block, right? Yep. So a uh, football field, essentially, <laughs> the width of a football field, right? So I just got to go past the football field, back in the car, from parking lot to parking lot. And yep. unfortunately, that takes six or seven minutes. Yeah. We'll you know, even if I get out at 721, I'm not getting in at 728. I'm supposed to check in. Now, I, you know, my boss understands, hey, I'm at Rising Grind. I'm at the high school. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been at on, on a campus at yeah, 6 yeah. o'clock in the morning. So they're not hampering me over the thing. But you're supposed to check in 10 minutes before yeah. you know, your yep. school day starts. Yep. Our school day starts at 740 at the middle school. So I check in. We get in there at 728. You know, I've already ran my papers off because I have last hour prep. So everything's good to go for the morning. So then we teach class all day. And then I have my last hour prep. I get done whatever I need to get done for the next morning as fast as I can. A lot of times I'll have the media center specialist kind of help me out with copies. I can send them to her during the nice. day. So I'm kind of like, okay, I need these copies made. I don't want to have to sit there to copy your machine because that's when we have sports tech, which we have a lot of football guys in a weightlifting class essentially. So okay. I run over right then. So now at 7, whatever, I've got permission to say, hey, I'm not bailing on my responsibilities. I'm just going to go help this out and really yeah. improve our weight room culture. Yeah. So then I shoot over to the high school, make sure that I'm available for our kids. We've got a different system now that we're doing it from a weightlifting standpoint. Yeah. They're logging, they're charting. It's completely different than what they have done. There's, there's more structure to it. So we've got, you know, so the first four weeks was a lot of, I had to get over there and spend a lot of time over yeah. there. So now that we're fifth week into it, sixth week into it, yeah, I can take some time before I get over there. Everything's going to now run on its own for the most part. Yeah. But you still you want to have a, a, a culture in your weight room yeah. where guys are not screwing around. They're getting after it. They're yeah. pushing some weight. They're you know, doing what we expect them to do. So I still want to be over there to create that culture yeah. as much as I can. It's very important. So now, so that's, okay, we get done with that at about, you know, obviously the end of the day is 2.45 at the high school. Yeah. So from 2.45 to 3 o'clock, I walk back down to the boys' locker room, get into the coach's office or the coach's locker room, yep. and get changed. we got baseball from 3 to 5. Yeah. You know, so at 5 o'clock, we're going to kind of shut it down. We're going to talk. By 5.30, I need to be home and fulfill the responsibilities of a father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so now it's if it's, you know, like on Friday, we have gymnastics at 5.25. So <laughs> I don't go home. I just go straight to gymnastics, you know, at, at 5.25. Um you know, if it's a Monday, we have ballet. Ballet starts at 5, so my wife essentially takes the kids to ballet, or my girls to ballet, yeah. and then I start. I go home and i got to get dinner done. Oh, i got to get man. dinner done before they get back. So I get home, there's no break, and then i got to let the dog out probably most likely when I yeah. get home and, and take care of him and yeah. make sure he's, uh, you know, he's been locked up all day and in the house. So, well, you know, it's just when I put my head down at the pillow at 9.30 at night, like, I'm out. Right. Exhausted. I'm exhausted. That's and, it. And I'm just hoping that my kid goes to bed easy for me because <laughs> I need to go to bed too. Yeah, you know? I can like, only I'm imagine tired. because uh, working and then coaching with you, and I'm doing a couple other projects myself, and, but like I'm exhausted, so I can only imagine what you're going through, and that's a lot of dedication and time um, you know, to take on that extra responsibility and not even be sure of yourself is very humbling. You know, I'm sure like that, like, you know you're going to have to go to work. Oh, yeah. If you want to be successful. It's, I mean, you could just like, oh, whatever, guys, let's do this. Let's play football. We're going to lose most of our games. But, like, you don't want to have that mentality. Yeah, it's one, this is high school sports, right? So yeah. if we actually do some things right, like, that's just a high school kid over there. Yeah. Like, they're not this, you know, like, that's just a high school kid over there. And you're telling me that you can't be better than that high school kid over there if you're willing to put in these hours and do these things? Like, I'm telling you, you know, that's not the case. Yeah. We have to get them to believe that. Yeah. But, like, the other part is, like, I also know that coaching don't pay the bills. Yeah. You know what I mean? So first and foremost, above that, like, okay, be a good dad, be a good husband, 
I gotta be a good teacher yeah. in my classroom. Oh my god! So yeah. like, I got a lesson plan. I gotta make these copies, right? I gotta make sure I have that done. Yeah. I have to be better at that than I do as yeah. a coach. And it's way harder to be a teacher than it is to be a coach. Yeah, a middle school. It's not even close. Middle school is. If people think coaching's hard, try teaching. Yeah. No. Coaching. These guys showed up to get cut. Yeah. 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 <laughs> these guys showed up with the willingness to be cut. Yeah. Like you think teach you think teaching's easy. Yeah, it, it's you know not if you're trying to be a good teacher, and especially when half the class is not necessarily interested in that topic. Oh, yeah, I'm just here because so I don't so I won't be fined. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, we have a lot of kids with attendance issues, right? Yep. And at the end of the day, it's a fine. So, like they're literally coming so they don't get fined. Yeah. Like to take a line from Marsh, you know, Marshall Lynch, and we want to create learning to be fun. Yeah, I agree. you know, like I know a lot of people say that you know learning doesn't have to be fun, and you're right. I've learned them. Some of my biggest lessons, not from a fun aspect, right? Exactly. Some of my biggest life lessons have been learned not from a fun aspect. But you're teaching every day. Your class should be as engaging as possible. Yeah, you're an entertainer. You have you to know, be because uh, of the uh, way technology is and how quick everybody gets. Well, I got to compete with that technology. Yeah. yeah. I got to be. I got to be as entertaining as what they can get from their phone. The information they can get from their phone. Yeah. And. That's not easy to do. That's something that I think at the middle school level where you have that, that's that precipice, that's that bubble period. Oh, yeah. Like before they get into high school, they might even start locking it down, saying I'm done with education, I'm waiting to get my job, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and then the other thing too is now like because college is so much money, yep. like this idea we're going to push, you got to be college ready. Yeah. College and career ready. Yeah. But mostly college ready. Yes. Right? <laughs> But so, so which I was kind of surprised because uh, I I was teaching like at Covenant House for like a lot of years, and we kind of like you know skilled trade guys try to get into something like that. I don't know why we're not pushing that a little bit more. I think a little bit is is, and they have some of those skilled trades. Yes, but they do. Right, why are we not a leader in that? I'm not so sure. I mean, obviously that's a a, a philosophy that you'd have to ask somebody yeah. higher paid than me. But yeah. um, but also along the lines of. Um, you know, what, what What do we have to meet in terms of requirements for the state? Yeah. Right, from an academic standpoint. Yeah. You know, and it's just we're getting to a point where we need to have probably more control at our local levels than yeah. from, a, from a from a top-down mandate yeah. thing. And I know that for a lot of years, hey, it's, you know, education is in the role of the states. Great. So states are now going to have to somehow relinquish a little bit of power and control and let the communities serve themselves best. I mean, at the end of the day, the board members are de- democratically elected officials. Yep. Right. And then that democratically elected officials group of boards get to determine whether or not the superintendent is doing or not doing the job that they seek from from this you know from the aspect of the community. Exactly. And I think they're going to have to, as this technology is changing, as everybody doesn't get the same technology trickled down to them because of socioeconomics at the same time, right? Yeah. You know, like obviously Birmingham's doing things that we can't do. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's. Simple as that. Yeah. As socioeconomics is based a little bit on our tax systems and how we how we give funding to schools based on pupils. So in in, in what those housing values yeah. are, right? So a little bit of this has to not be so top down silver bullet. Here's our yeah. law for everybody, and this is how it applies. Yeah, it yeah, can't yeah. work that way. Um, and it's not to like say that this is the soft bigotry of low expectations. This is reality. Yeah, it's just reality that these guys have less than what you are working with over yeah. there. And if you expect the same result, then you're setting somebody up for failure. Well. We're, I, I feel very lucky and blessed the way I grew up, but like in our own community, like the access to technology that I had, I don't know about you, but I had a computer dial up, a top computer, you know, like that helped me get through high school. Like kids didn't, a lot of kids didn't have that at that point. I agree. Like, how is that even fair? How's that even? So I, not only did I have technology, but so I took that typing class, right? Yep. Okay. And then I'd go home and I'd use 
like just because I was on AIM. Yeah. <laughs> What's, yeah, AIM? Oh, yeah. What's oh, yeah. AIM anymore? But because I was on AIM, I was actually practicing my typing skills from my typing class at home leisurely. Yep. Right? And then I went to college, and half the guys that I live with, Chad included, yeah. would pay me to type their papers. Because, yeah, they didn't know how to type. Because they were, you know, bird pecking it. Yeah. You know, and I actually knew how to type. Well, he had five kids. <laughs> you know, and one, you know, hardly any computer time. <laughs> so I would, I would, yes, yeah, you're right. And that, in his household, you're right. There's a lot of, lot of, you know, shared computer time for sure over there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, because I knew how to do it in, you know, you take like a, even Stan, Stan didn't know how to, you know, Stan would still, re- Hey, Brian, will you type this up for me? You know, yeah. he would try to do it, but he would get a little bit swamped. Brian, will you, yeah. you type this up for me. I got I need a little more time here to do something else. Another project. Yeah. Sure, man. I'll type yeah. that up. And I was the same way. Like I didn't realize how good I was at it cause I didn't try or anything, but yeah, just leisurely learning the type aim. AOL Instant Messenger. Here, uh, I, here I didn't know I had a little extra side cash business, yeah. <laughs> you know, on the side that I could that I could pull off. You know, I was already working already at college, yeah. and now I got this little side gig, uh, just in my own household from guys that needed me to type papers. But you also needed to know a guy like who could do that for you. Like, yeah. So networking's like big. Yeah. So you got to know the right people. But all those guys, when I think about it, you think about like uh, Stan. Stan would would argue that he he had a pretty good child life, but he certainly didn't have the things that I had. Yeah. In Take a Colin Spazzato. Yeah. Colin didn't have the things that I had. So yep. Once again, I don't think he, these guys would complain about their childhood. But, no. But they would also argue, like, they did not have what, what we probably had growing up. Yeah. You know, we didn't I, have some of the things they had, the good looks. Yeah, well, you know, we weren't blessed with it. We weren't blessed with everything, but yeah. we, we were blessed with a few things. And, and monetarily so, you know, it, it gave us an advantage to yeah. maybe have some success. And those guys are both successful, yeah. you know, people. But, you know, they didn't have those uh, that, that typing skill, at least in college. And I'm grateful for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, so you coach football, coach baseball, and you're teaching right now. Full load, family guy. Yeah. Um, give us, on the way out, one last thing that we should know about you. Oh, well. Or is that just your life right there? That, that's, that, that about revolves it. I guess what I've tried to do now, you know, and I, I, before I coached football, I coached volleyball. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And and so that was the same way. Like volleyball, the coach had gotten fired, um, and it was at a point then where they were going down the same path as football. Football previous, like where they yeah. were going through head coach after head coach after okay. head coach. Right. So I love the game of volleyball. Always have. I think it's just incredibly athletic. Yeah. And so three years ago, you know, same situation. Athletic director called me and says, Brian, nobody's applying for this position. Like nobody wants it. And that's how you know it's kind of toxic. Yeah. Like, there's got to be some young kid yeah. out there that wants it. Yeah, for sure. You know, some come to, I need to come start. out of college, right? They, yeah. And, like, I said, he, put, he called me after two weeks, and he said, hey, nobody applied for this position. He goes, I hear you like volleyball. I said, yeah, I'd love to get into volleyball, but as a head I don't know a thing about it. Like, I don't know a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this was just after we had won a district championship in 2014 in baseball. So... You know, this is about, we're going to talk about the 2015, I think, season, maybe. Okay. No, it was maybe the 2016 season. Yeah, I think that was my first year of volleyball. So either way, we, you know, I said, we'll repost it and see if somebody applies. Maybe we just, maybe we just miss somebody. We just got to give it more time. Yeah. And he calls back and he said, we got to get a move on this thing. <laughs> Nobody's applying. No. You need to take this job. Like, you need to you need to sign up. And we had volleyball people, like, in our buildings. But it was, once again, it's just, coaching's a commitment, man. It's yeah. a time thing. It is, no. And I said, okay. I said, well, at that point in time, I had one girl, and I had another girl on the way. Okay. Right? You know, and I didn't, at the time, I don't remember if I knew that I had another girl on the way, but at least I knew I had another baby on the way. Oh, okay. I so you. I said, okay, 
Like I'll do this. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a stab. Yeah. Right. And I I would probably say to right now is as good as maybe I did as a job as like a a baseball coach in terms of 2014 when we won a district championship. Like it was we were building. We had such momentum. I, I'm I'm maybe most proud of my work as a volleyball coach. And this is the same thing. Didn't know anything. Yeah. Had to research. Had to learn. Had to ask questions. But it was exciting. That whole idea of like. I'm out there. This yeah. is vo- very vulnerable for me. Yeah. Right. And I had to. I had to learn all these things, and I had to then go in and tell kids. How about walking into your first meeting and saying, "Everybody here knows more volleyball than me. <laughs> Everybody here knows more volleyball than the head coach." That's humbling. You know what I mean? Like, so it, we're, there's going to be a lot of back and forth. They said, "But what I do know is something about taking a bad program and making them competitive." Because at the time, like baseball, we were a little bit of a mess, even when I was an assistant, because. Our head coach had such a hard time getting here, and we were a little just disor- we were just disorganized at the time. Yeah, you know, and and um, so when we when we you know so when I took it, I said, look, I know something about making a bad program a competitive program, and I'm not saying we're going to knock down championships or we're going to put these things, you know, but we are going to compete. And I think you know, and our goal was to finish. And the, so they had this NASCAR thing in our league where you had ten teams, and you play each other once, and then depending on where you finish, is if you play in the top five or the bottom five. Okay. So we had never finished in the top five. And at this point in time, none of these girls had ever played in the district championship. They played in districts, but then yeah. nobody's ever gotten to the district championship. Yeah. So I said, okay, we're going to do two things. We're going to finish in the top five, and we're going to play district championships. We're going we're to compete for a championship. Well, we never finished in the top five. Okay. Sixth place, seventh place, sixth place. Okay. And we have a league of ten, right? And yeah. the first year, I mean, the second year, I just thought the league was really, there's a lot of parity. We didn't. We actually were closer in our losses in the second year, even though we finished seventh, than we were in our first year when we finished sixth. Okay. You know what I mean? Based yeah, on yeah. where the teams stacked yeah. up and how they yeah. were built, like we were actually more competitive even in the second year than we were in the first year because we were closer in the second year to the teams at the top. For sure. We were still losing. Yeah. Third year come around, I thought, okay, here we go. Right? We're going to do it. We got Edsel. I've beaten Edsel in the past, or we've beaten Edsel in the past, right? I'm like, but, you know, Edsel and us are going to be close. Like, that yeah. fifth spot, I'm already looking at It's going to be between us and Edsel. And sure enough, it came down to us and Edsel. We played a five-set game, and we ended up losing, and my setter went down in that game. So now, this is also embarrassing, because I'm still learning how to do these rotations really well without getting caught out of rotation, right? Because that's okay. embarrassing for a coach, I feel like, to be out of rotation. Okay. Right? And then to be – so our setter goes down on this – was it the third set? Third or fourth? I think it was the fourth set. Our setter goes down. She's not going to finish the game. So I had to put this new setter in. Now, this new setter we got is actually as bit as good as our first setter. The only problem is she doesn't speak any English. Okay. Okay, so we have to now communicate between me and our new setter. <laughs> and have to understand, like, and so I, here I am coaching on the side on my knees, and I am just writing all the rotations down so I don't screw this up because we had to do this switch mid-game. Okay. You know, mid-game. And so here we are. I go, you know, we're, we're, we've got it figured out. But it was it was crazy, and we won the fourth set. Even you know, despite the fact that our setter went down in the fourth set, we won the fourth set. So we forced the fifth yeah. set, and then we lost. Now we have we host a volleyball tournament, and I said, you know, I have, can determine who we're going to pick it, right? And I said, well, we're playing Edsel first thing because <laughs> I go, we finished sixth, they finished fifth. I said, we're going to play Edsel in our tournament first thing, and we're going to send them to the silver bracket, and they can go win the silver bracket because I just think the way this tournament's laid out, it'll be whoever finishes in the silver bracket between us and Edsel is going to win this thing in the silver bracket. Yeah. But we want to finish in the gold bracket. We want to play with the big dogs. Yeah. And so I set it up, and we take three sets off Edsel first thing in the morning. 
You know, right. you know, it was, it was like a like a little vindication, yeah. like it, you know, like hey, we we were right there. Yeah. Okay. So um, that felt good, and that was right at the end of the year. Now Etzel went on to continue to have a good year. They they, they did win the silver bracket, and then they did go on to win their district championship. Okay. You know, so and and with a great coach, she's a phenomenal coach. She was at Taylor. She does a great job. Um, but I was I was still proud of our girls. Now we ended up playing Wyandotte, which. I think that they're super well coached, and I was just simply out coached game one, set one of that game. And we were still right there. Yeah. And we had beaten Wyandotte twice that year, which we had never done. Okay. Probably in the probably in the last decade and a half, we had never beaten Wyandotte twice in a in a regular, you know, in a regular season. Yeah. So beating a team three teams is hard. Yep. But we did have the lead 14-11 in the fifth set, which the fifth set goes to fifteen, and we just couldn't close it out. But um but it was I mean, I I I'll still say, like, I'll put up my what I did, and I think they're in a great position. I think they will finish top five this year. Nice. I think if, if, you know, my assistant from last year is going to be the head coach this year, and I think if everything goes the way I think it's going to go, like they'll finish in the top five, barring no big injury, you know, because we don't have a super amount of depth, and we have to grow our kids. Because our kids don't grow up playing AAU. That's the other thing. Yeah. Go back to monetizing youth sports. Like, our kids just can't – they don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. So we have to teach them the game at high school and, and move them on up. They're not getting that extra. Where everybody else is getting an extra 30 games a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and some of these other communities, like our, ours are not. Yeah. Like, you know, they just can't they can't afford it. Yep. Or they don't have the resources in terms of a car, in terms of, you know, the finances, whatever it might be. But, you know, I just think that we're real close. So they're, they're going to knock on the door this year. Now, whether or not we can ever get past the district championship, I don't know, because Allen yeah. Park is excellent and their coach is excellent. He does a great job, and he always treated me really, really well. And so did their community, their fans. They treated our girls really, really well. Nobody ever disrespected us from them. Um and, and they're just so tough to beat. Well, that's really nice to see that uh, something that you brought up is just your experience, like, coaching girls' sport and not even expecting, like, something. Pro- I'm sure you never expected to have that type of impact on you. No, I, I, it, was, it was something where, you know, I still look back at it and just very proud of, you know, what we were able to do. Yeah. What we were able to we didn't. I think we, only, we won one tournament, you know, in my three years, you know, but we just played really competitive volleyball um, when we kind of really – like I said, they, they told me before, and fans are, you know, when you get the fans kind of go, like, hey, you got some good things going on here because we were out here where it was nasty. Girls yeah. were yelling at each other and coaches were getting on them and this, that, and it goes, it's just a completely different feel, and it's it's a good thing going here. And So I think that gave me a little bit of the confidence to say yes to this football game. Oh, sure. I, you might not be able to do it if you didn't have this experience of already do, going through something like this and understanding that maybe you're what you're good at and what, you're, you, know, what you bring to the table to something like this. Yeah. And you are smart enough to surround yourself with people who know what you don't know, maybe. Well, I need to do it for football because there's a lot more to that. I mean, at volleyball, the great thing is there's only six girls that play on the field, okay. and they play both offense and defense, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the ball's going over the net yep. constantly, and you're yep. transitioning. Yeah, yeah. In, in football, that's not the case, right? Yeah. So I have to surround myself with people much smarter than me, and they know we, you know, those roles yeah. have yeah. been – we've talked about those roles, right? Well, yeah. what we're going to do and what everybody needs to expect from each other. Yeah. Um, but that's what you got to just, like you said, put good people around you that understand, hey, this is the situation. Yeah. And everybody's up for the challenge right now. That's exciting. Yeah. It seems like a, a morale boost is kind of maybe going on through everybody. A little excitement. Maybe you're bringing the, the juices to everybody. And We're trying. We're trying. Know. We hope we'll, we'll knock out a win or two early and, yeah. and really get that, that ball rolling and keep that momentum going. Uh, the kids really love you. Uh, even I, uh, I teach like ninth and 10th graders or whatever, and we were going over like favorite teachers. Miss ba- You didn't get as many as Miss Banyer? Miss Banyer, she's a popular teacher. She's well, got like everybody almost. But you were the, then, then it was you. All right, I got a few of you. If but. I'm going to finish second place, I, I'm happy to finish second place in Miss Banyer. Well, she shout is, out she's to her. Excellent, absolutely. She's excellent. She's great at connecting with kids, and really, um, 
kind of find it. She gets in depth. She gets in depth with them, and she finds out a lot about them, and she follows up. That's the other thing that a lot, you know, she follows up. Okay. Uh, when she finds something out, and she really she does a great job of that. Great, because it's not, yeah. Well, the kids love her. Um, that's about it with you, man. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. We're coaching together. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. So I'll, I'll see ha- you tomorrow. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tomorrow's Bud Day. We, co- we got our first game Wednesday. Uh, yeah. Uh, guys, this is uh, been uh, Tom Steinman at Fumbling Around. Uh, this show it was powered by Pinecast and brought to you by Planet Ant Podcast. Uh, check out our other podcast, Michael Dupree Variety Hours. A lot of fun. Or welcome to the Gaberhood. Uh, see you guys later. Have a good one. Bye.